The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Do you know why superhero movies do so well at the box office once we take them from the comics into a film? Because the comics themselves are awesome. I'm, I'm a comic junkie. I grew up on comics. I used to like to draw them more than I like to read them. But comics themselves are awesome. But the reason why these movies smash at the box office is because once we see them on the big screen with actual people, they become all the more believable. It, it makes it a little more realistic that it could actually come true. Especially when we see these ones where it's just an ordinary person. It makes us all the more believe that, man, I, I really could have superpower. Like, what if I did? If I had superpowers, you know how many Instagram followers I would have? My YouTube channel would have a waiting list. I mean, and you, could, you, know, you could do good for humanity and all that stuff. But you would be awesome. Man. But when we see it's a story, especially about just an ordinary person who somehow is bitten by greatness or thrust into greatness all of a sudden, then it all the more makes it feel like, man, that, that could actually be us. We could be the hero. We could swing into our destiny. Now, for me, like, you know, some of the heroes are ordinary, but they have some extra extraordinary assets, okay? So like me, like I'm not a Tony Stark, right? I'm not a Tony Stark. My SAT scores and my bank account will back that statement up. <laughs> I'm, I'm more like a Miles Morales, yeah. Yeah, I'm more like a Miles Morales. Miles, so he's the star, he's the lead Spider-Man in the new film, Spider-Verse, amongst all these other Spider-Men that come in from other universes, but Miles, man, Miles is just, he's just an average kid living in Brooklyn, rocking Jordans, he's got boom bat beats in his headphones, and he spends his spare time in his sketchbook and on abandoned walls and subway tunnels, throwing up some ill graffiti art. And so one day, along came a spider and bit this graffiti writer, and that's how his life was changed. And then suddenly he's his world's turned upside down, and he's thrust into greatness. And you know what's cool about it, though? That we, we long for this ordinary turned into the extraordinary. We long to brush with this natural into the supernatural, and for there to be powers. Thank you, tech team. Shout out to my tech team, y'all. Make some noise. It's so appropriate during superhero discussions, right? Like, they just, they work miracles. They make average communicators look great. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm done talking about myself. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, so this whole feeling that we could actually be more and it be our destiny, it's, it's actually a true story. And I, I want to show you one of them tonight, as a matter of fact. Because long before... Peter Parker, or Miles Morales, or any of the superhero names that we know, there was Joshua. It was Joshua. Joshua has a story in the Bible. He has a book in the Bible, actually. It's in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at it. And it covers all of his battles and his epic comic book stuff. And it covers a transitional time in his life when he was going to go from 
average to amazing, like Spider-Man, from ordinary to extraordinary. And it looks like it's overnight, just like being bit by a spider, but there's a story along with it. He's going to go from Padawan to Jedi. He's going to go from player to coach. And his story covers it. Now, you might not know the name Joshua, but you do know the name Moses. Even if you've never been to church before, if tonight is your first night at church, welcome to all of our guests. Big shout out to you. Or if you haven't been here in a long time, it's okay. We love you. Thank you for being here. But either way, no matter who I'm talking to, you know the name Moses. Moses took God's people out of slavery from Egypt, and he took them through this miracle journey. And along the journey, though, their whole destination, the whole point of them going from one place to the other was for them to once and for all find their true home that God had prepared for them. But along the way, they get into some behavioral issues. They find themselves in the principal office a lot. And uh, to the point where God has to tell many of them, listen, you guys aren't even going to get to go into this place that I've made for you, including Moses. Including Moses. And so it's Joshua's time to step up. It's now his time to become the man. And so our feature presentation tonight is going to be in his book. We're going to go into some verses in chapters 1 through 3. But we're just going to swing in like Spidey on a couple of verses, and we're going to pull out some points that stick like web shooters. And the reason they stick is because these principles, these character traits and things that happen in Joseph's, I'm sorry, in, in Joshua's story, these principles are something that we will actually need. Maybe we need them right now. And if not, I guarantee you, you will need them. Because if there's one thing that we know about life, one thing about life that stays the same is that it always changes. Always. And with those changes comes changes in us, in our circumstances, in our geography, in our family dynamics, you name it. Our bank accounts the way we think, our ideals and mentalities, we go through these transitions because life is constantly changing. And these transitions, some of them are great, some of them are exciting. I want to tell you, when we, when, as pastors, when we prepare for these messages, we, we hope, we believe that God speaks to us first before we ever get up here and try to communicate it. We look for those reasons to know that what we're going to say is what we're supposed to say. And I, I, I'm going to tell you personally, I'll be transparent. As we've been getting this together, on both ends of the spectrum, I've talked to people that I'm so glad I got to have a conversation with them because I see them right in this moment that I'm talking about. And maybe you have one like that tonight. But these transitions that we go through in life, whether they're exciting, overwhelmingly emotional, or just overwhelming, Good or bad, these transitions we go through in life, they can be confusing. When our life is about to change completely, they could be difficult. They could be exciting. They could be motivating. They could be defeating. They can be encouraging or discouraging. They can have a lot of ambiguity, just not knowing what's about to happen. And honestly, some of them, they're just plain scary. They terrify us. They keep us up at night. 
Rob all of our sleep and our peace. Like we just saying, peace, be still. Somebody needed that tonight. Somebody needed to sing that. You know, and you know what I'm talking about. Because you've either been there, and if you haven't, you will. The great ones and the greatly painful ones, they can just be scary. I think about, in this season right now, changing. I think about all of my former fifth graders that are now headed into sixth grade, middle school. That could be exciting, it can be scary. It's the world of wedgies and pimples and you're gonna see a mustache on a person for the first time that's your age and, what is that? It could be scary. I think about our seniors that just graduated. Shout out to all of our seniors. Make some noise for all of our graduates. I got, I got one, he just walked in the door, he's late, he's in trouble. I got, we got graduates. Right now, they're, they're planning to go off to college. Like, leave home for the first time or go to the military. You're thinking about the military, thank you. But it can be scary. And not just for you, for your parents. They ain't gonna tell you that, but they're scared. They're scared out their mind, for you and for them. It can be scary. A mom heading towards her final trimester. Did I say that right? Trimester? Trimester. Trimester. That's exciting, but it's scary. Buying a home, leaving a home, changing location. Man, these are, these are all familiar. We all go through these things. And they consume us. Maybe, maybe you've messed up or someone you know is facing time or coming, returning home from serving time. That's a major life transition and it's, it's scary. It's scary. And so listen, today I wanna to say something. The scripture we're about to go into, sometimes as pastors, we gotta show y'all some scripture and then afterwards we gotta be like, I'm sorry I had to say that. You know what I mean? Like, not today. Not today. Today, the first scripture we're gonna go into is God bringing in Joshua to that, um, that whole middle linebacker pregame let's go type of speech. The motivational speech. He pulls him in and he brings him in close. He pulls his helmet and he gets him in his face and God's talking to him. He's like, listen, let's go. That's what God is here to tell you tonight. No matter what transition we're facing or looking at or change that's coming our way, God's gonna pull you in close tonight. He's gonna say, baby, you got this. It's going to pull you in close. So I want to show you. I want to show you some scripture in Joshua. We're going to go in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to go through some verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Very important. Don't leave yet, guys. Hold on. Go back real quick. Moses's Can you? Okay. If she doesn't. Okay, that's fine. Moses' assistant. That's very important. Remember that. We want to come to that later on. Okay, go ahead. Thank you, guys. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you. We're going to pause right there. Leave the scripture up, guys. We're going to pause right there. Two times a night, I'm going to do something. This is the first one. Best you can, I want you to tone out of my voice and just hear the words. You know tonight, if God is telling you these exact words, the time has come. 
I hope right now it's either really exciting to somebody and confirming. Maybe there's something you've been working on, dreaming about, stepping towards, and you know what? Hear God tonight. The time has come. It's your time. Maybe tonight it's just the opposite. I know, I, personally, I know somebody facing something that's really, really, really scary. And in the same way, God is telling you tonight, the time has come. It's here. Maybe there's something that you've known has been coming your way for a long time and you've avoided it or hoped that it wouldn't come. But God is telling you tonight, the time has come. It's time. Tonight. This season, right now. It's here. Let me continue. The time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I love, I love the fact that Joshua's challenge the Jordan River. I love, I love in the Spider-Verse, Miles' personality and his outfit. I think we have a picture. In, in the Spider-Verse, Miles, there we go. Maybe you guys can zoom in and see. Look, Miles is rocking these sneakers right here. These are the very first Jordans, the AJ1s. He's rocking these Jordans right here. I love it. I love it so much. And you know what? His life, walking in those Jordans, has always been one way. He's known his life. He's just an average kid. And now out of nowhere, his life is about to change. Now for the greater, but it's still got a lot of ambiguity and confusion and insecurities. Doesn't really know if he's capable to handle what's coming his way. You ever felt that way? And for Joshua, Joshua is approaching his Jordan. He's approaching the Jordan River. The Jordan River, right on the other side, is what God has intended for his people all along, to get to that other side. Tonight, if God's telling you the time has come, you are literally standing, whether you're in Tom's or you're in Jordan's, you were standing at the edge of the Jordan. There is a transition in front of you. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know. You and God know. It's a change. Maybe, maybe it's something as small as a change in the way you think. But it looks like a river. It's wide. It's uncrossable. It's got a current that if I even try to step in, will swipe me away. You're standing at the edge of the Jordan. God's not going to leave you there tonight. Let me keep going. Like I said, listen. I know I'm kind of driving this in. I want you to take a deep breath. Come on, work with me tonight. Take a deep breath. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is not to scare us. This, listen, this is great. No one will be able to stand against you. God, I love hearing that. Like I said, we hear some tough scriptures sometimes that just make us feel terrible. We're like, okay, that's talking to me. Like, listen, I want him to talk to me on this. Nobody will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Now this next section, think of this as a song. Think of this next section as a song. And right away, grab a hold of what the chorus is. You know what the chorus of a song is, the most important part. It's the part that's over and over and over again. So watch the chorus. Be strong and courageous. For you, the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors, I would give them. 
be strong and very courageous. You follow the course, you see the song? Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Just chew on those words. Don't you want to be successful in everything that you do? Don't you want all your endeavors to work out at least as close as possible to the way you plan? Don't you want all your challenges for you to come out on top? Am I the only one? I daydream about this stuff. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction. This is the Bible for him. The Bible wasn't complete yet. We had the complete Bible. The Bible wasn't complete yet for him. He only had the books that Moses began. It's around the first five books that Moses began. Continually meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Here comes the chorus. Get ready. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. This time he put some bass in his voice. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Take another deep breath. Come on, you can woo that. I'm wooing that. Woo! Take another deep breath. He's with you. Why? Why did, why did God have to pull Joshua close and tell him this three times? And on the last time, put some on that. Why did he have to do that? Because he knows. He knew Joshua like he knows us. He knew that Joshua's biggest obstacle was going to be the fear that was within him, period, of failing, maybe succeeding. I don't know, if I, if I do right, do I got to continue to do right? How am I going to outdo myself? Like, whatever. He knew his fears. He knew that Joshua had legitimate fears, and that's why that little chorus of that section, over and over again, he says, you be strong, you be courageous. And at the end, he goes, don't you be afraid. Don't be discouraged. God knew his fears, and God knows, God knows your How are we looking? Read it. I have never done that on a train car. I'm a pastor. <laughs> Kids, disclaimer. Graffiti art is beautiful and wonderful when you have permission. Outside of that, it is called vandalism. Okay. God knows your fear. He knows your fear. He knows your fear of being an inadequate. He knows your fear of failing. He knows your fear of the pain that's gonna come through the transitions that we face, of losing, afraid to try again. He knows our fear. So why then, why then does he tell Joshua, I know you're afraid, don't be. I know you're afraid. I'm commanding you not to be. Why? Why does he tell him that? Well, it's easy. Because God, this is God. God's going to remove every obstacle. He's going to buffer out every rough patch. He's going to pluck every enemy out. He's going to make it so easy for us that we sit down to a piece of cake. Thank you. So you know that it's not the case. 
That's not why. God's not going to take those things away. He's not going to take anything away. As a matter of fact, he's going to add. He's going to add himself. He's not going to take away these things in the equation that cause fear and discouragement. He's going to add. He's going to add himself. See, God promises. God promises to be with you. God promises to be with you always. Somebody say always. Sometimes? No. God promises to be with you always. Look at this verse. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. This is the second time I said I was going to stop just have you listen. Tone my voice out for a minute. Close your eyes if you have to. Hear God speak to you. Listen, listen. I will not fail you. I won't. Listen, don't look at me. Just close your eyes, don't look at the screen. Listen, listen to God. I will not fail you or, or abandon you. I will not fail you or abandon you. I will not leave you alone. I know what you're going through. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I will not fail you. You will win this. You will come out of this. I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. Listen, go to, go to verse 9. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the problem that we have. This is why we can't compute always and wherever, because we think there's places that God just can't go with us. We have to compartmentalize him. God helps me here, but not here. You know God loves you enough to invade even the places you don't want him in. You know that? He's gentle about it. He's not kicking the door. But he'll slide through like Kramer. Like he'll, he'll look through. You let it open just, just wide enough. God loves you enough to invade even the places that you don't think you can take him. He's not going to fail. He's not going to abandon us. He's with us. And if we're honest, you can be honest here in this moment. It's okay if you agree on this, because I'm saying it. It's a little frustrating sometimes to know that there's an all-powerful, almighty God that actually could just remove all the stuff from our lives that we don't want. He can. He's mighty and powerful. Like, like he could, God, I know you promised to be with me, but you know, you could just make it easier on both of us and just. <laughs> that one. <laughs> that was good. He could. But here's what we got to remember. None of this mess the reason why things don't come easy to us and there's a challenge with everything is because that none of this mess was God's fault. It's mankind's fault. Sin is the reason that we have enemies and that we're discouraged, 
that things are broken and don't work right. It's human sin that all that comes from. I'm not saying that when we do, when we think something wrong here, that there's an explosion over here. What I'm saying is all of it, all of the negativity, all of the things wrong in the world are tracked back to the fact that mankind has a spiritual infection. See, when mankind first chose to go against God, it, it birthed an instinct, a spiritual one. The same way that we have biological instincts, the same way a spider knows and nobody has to teach it to spin a web, we know to do the opposite of God. It's called sin. It's a spiritual instinct that we have. And so although we look at God like he could, you could just take all this away, God honestly saying, I could just take you away. I honestly could take you out and justify it, but I don't. I would rather take you up. See, ever since that sin invasion, God has been crafting an invitation. Even in the midst of everything that's wrong in the world, God still, God God invites us. God invites us into his calling. When God can justify actually turning us away, he invites us. And not only to know him, like the way you know your kids or you know your spouse, or you know your parents or your grandparents or your best friend, you know them, God invites us to know him first and foremost in a personal relationship. And then he invites us into his calling, meaning carrying out his actual plan. This is, this is the superhero stuff where his power actually on us and in us could do great things in this world, in our lives. He invites us into that calling for Joshua for Joshua, his calling was to lead his people, to take them to the home they were supposed to get to, to be who they were finally supposed to be. And since he promises to be with us in those times, if the first half of this, this whole message was God's going to make the promise to be with us, well, the second half is, well, let me show you how he's going to do it. Because he doesn't just say, hey, I'm with you. You see the river? All right, I'm going to be on the other side. No. He gives Joshua instructions. I'm taking to some more scripture. I'm going to chapter 3, verse 6 through 8. He gives them some instructions on how he's going to cross this river. How, he's, how you are going to cross this transition in your life, this new season. He gives them instructions. So the first thing I want you to picture is all of the Israelites, Joshua's army, all camped out in tents. Like a lot of us was outside of Krispy Kreme on Monday. <laughs> Not me, I wasn't there. The camp is all there, and he gets ready to go give them instructions. So Joshua speaks to him. He says, in the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant. Guys, the Ark of the Covenant, old school, this was a beautifully decorated box with gold and like angels on it. And inside of it were sacred items. Some of them were like the, the, the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments that he gave Moses. What, it, what you need to know is that this represents God's presence. 
The same way like right now, we know that God is present on this planet, working and moving, his Holy Spirit. That's what it represented for them, his presence. To take the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and they went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. Take a few steps out into the river and stop there. What's about to happen in this scene when they carry the Ark of the Covenant out? They're going to take a couple steps in, and all of a sudden, the water is going to part. Some this way and some this way. It's going to stand up like a wall. And all of the people are going to cross through this thing on dry land. A miracle. Now, this should sound familiar. This should sound familiar. This is exactly, this is exactly what Moses did. Yeah, yeah, before Joshua. This is exactly what Moses did. When Moses took the Israelites out of Egypt, they come to the Red Sea. What are we going to do? Oh, no. And God says, we're going to part this thing. And he parts and they all cross through. Why is that important? Let me go to, let me go to another verse. Joshua 1, verse 9. He tells Joshua, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. No matter what you are facing. No matter what you are facing. No matter what you're going through right now. Somebody has been there. Somebody's been there. And the reason why I want to tell you this today is because I don't want you to miss. If God is promising to be with you always, that he won't abandon you, that he's going to be in this thing with you, don't you miss how he's going to be with you. Somebody has gone before in exactly what you're going through, and they may only be a text, an email, or a miraculous encounter away. Let me tell you a personal one. Probably the most difficult Jordan River that ever came in my and my wife's life was when she went through depression and anxiety disorder. And we had no idea when we first started that this was going to be an eight-year-long Jordan River. And when it first began, I remember not knowing what to do. She's crying. She's feeling like she's losing her mind. We're sitting in the, in the ER before Meredith came, in the old Washington County Hospital emergency room in the very back. And she's devastated. She's falling apart, hopeless, thinking that she's literally going crazy, has no idea what's wrong with her, tormented by her own insides. I'm sitting there helpless. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling just like her. Like, what, what is happening in our life right now? Is there no end to this? And in only God's time, a friend of ours that we hadn't seen actually in a long time was there visiting someone. But before she went up to the room, she needed to use the restroom. And if you remember the old Washington County Hospital, if you sit in the back, there's a restroom over to this side. She had to walk past us. And she stops. And she sees my wife falling apart. I'll never forget it. 
thinking that this thing's going to kill her. No idea what's happening. She squats down and gets in front of her. Says, baby, what's wrong? And my wife starts to tell her. And she cuts her off and says, I know exactly what you're going through. You're having this, and you're having this, and you're having this. And instantly, as I watch this unfold, I could see life return to my wife's face. I could see hope return to her eyes. Like, you know what's happening here? Don't you miss God being with you. He is going to strategically place people in your life that got resources, advice, or just an ear to know what you're going through. Just to know what you're, just when you think that you are alone, the worst thing is to be in a transition, feel like you're failing, feel like you don't know what's going on, and to be alone. But to have somebody to talk to, and then you tell them what's going on, and they stop, and they go, I know exactly what you're feeling. You're feeling this, this, and this, and all of a sudden you just go, oh my God. Let's get ice cream. (laughs) And a taco. Don't miss. Don't miss God being there. He's going to provide people through your journey. Something pretty awesome about Miles in the Spider-Man movie. He's, he's trying to fit in with the rest of them. And he's wearing this ridiculous costume, Spider-Man costume that he bought. And he's not fitting in with the rest of them. And when the time comes for him to finally stand up and be who he's supposed to be, he goes back to what he knows. He goes back to what he knows. He picks up his cans and he sprays his own outfit. He sprays his own outfit in the middle of you being what you're, in the middle of you going through what you're going through, through this transition. God wants you to be your true self. He wants you to be your true self. When, when Moses parted the sea, he held up his staff. When God tells Joshua to part the sea, he says, you use the Ark of the Covenant. See the difference? Two different ways. God is going to use your unique shape for you to get through what you're going through. Yes, you need to get advice. Yes, you need to get help. Yes, you need to have people pour into you. But the final voice, aside from God, for you getting through this journey is you. He has shaped you. Your way may look a little different than everybody else's. But you know what's so beautiful about the fact that Joshua's method was different than Moses's? That contrast only showed one great similarity, that God did them both. And he'll do it in yours. So you be your true self. And our true self, it's not just our originality. Our true self is who God makes us. See, that sin that I was talking about, it's, it's kind of like a web shooter, but it's shorted out. When Spidey leaps from one building to the next, he's counting on that web shooter to get him to the next building. And what sin does in our life, it like shorts us out. We're leaping from one building to the next, and we're shooting that web out, and all of a sudden there's nothing coming out. And we're flailing our arms hoping to get to the building of God's standard, and instead we just go plummeting to the ground. That's what sin did to us. That's where we were headed. We were falling towards our destruction until... Until Jesus leaped from the top of the building of heaven, did this torpedo nosedive straight for us, catches up to us, and in a superhero maneuver, catches us, spins around in town to save our lives, and pin his own to the cross. He did that for us. 
And then just like every, every superhero movie, when the, when the hero lays down his life, we're wishing. Oh, come on, there's got to be some way. Bring him back to life. There's got to be some way. I believe he can come back to life. Well, in this case, it didn't happen. Jesus was actually physically, spiritually dead for a while. Because days later, God did miraculously, superhero-like, raise him from the dead so that our lives could start over and be brand new. That's our true self, to believe in that. God is your God is your hope. Did you hear what Peter told him? Miles is on the building, he's getting ready to leap off. And he says to him, it's a leap of faith. See what you don't, maybe not know if you didn't see the film, but like before that, Peter has Miles kind of webbed up in his room because he won't let him go. He won't let him go fight the villain with everybody else because he tells him he's not ready. And maybe we know that feeling. We're heading into a transition and we think to ourselves, you know what, I don't really know if I'm ready for this. Are you ever really ready to get married? Are you ever really ready to break up? Are you ever ready, really ready to have a kid? Are you ever really ready to fail? He tells him Miles isn't ready and Miles knows he's not ready. And so Miles is desperately talking to him because he wants to learn how that he can be ready to be a Spider-Man. And he says, Miles, you're never really gonna know that you're ready. You're never really gonna be ready. It is simply a leap of faith. It's faith. And all the fear that surrounds the things that we have to go through and the transitions that we face, all these fears that surround us, you need to know something. Fear is not the enemy here. Fear is not a death threat to your mailbox. Fear is an invitation to believe. Fear, fear always invites true hope. Fear is an opportunity to believe. Fear is a window into handing our trust over to God. That is faith. Letting our fear invite us into trusting God to take the leap, to step into the water and watch him miraculously part this thing and be with you while you take this step in your life. God's pulling you in close today, pulling in your helmet, and he's looking at you saying this, you got this, because I got you. You got this. So your step of faith today may be to trust Jesus for the first time. And you can do that simply by saying, yes, I believe this. I believe this superhero tale of God coming back to life for me. I want that. And you just say yes today for all of us. I want to give you a moment to let God talk to you, to talk to him about your fears. Let him walk you to the Jordan. And you step first. He's going to part that water for you. So take a moment right now. Close your eyes. Just let, have a God, just let God have a moment with you. When you need to say yes to him today, then say yes. Believe in faith in Jesus. 
If you know what your step of faith is today, have the courage, be willing to step out in faith. Take that moment. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.